This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Imagine you're looking at a scale. Put everything you do for other people on one side and everything you do for yourself on the other. Not balanced? Maybe it's time to spend a little more time on you. Do that in therapy at betterhelp.com super. Quick warning, this episode will contain spoilers for The Mandalorian up through season three, episode three. Hey, brother! Got a little timber in my voice today. What if I told you that Grogu, sweet little 50-year-old baby Grogu, was also supremely Leader Snow. <laughs> Sort of. Guys, it is one of my absolute favorite times of year. It's Mando season. I mean, it's never a bad time to be getting new episodes with Grogu and seeing him and the Mandalorian travel across the galaxy and fight monsters and heal century-old wounds between the Jedi and the Mandalorians. But as of the third episode of season three, which is the most recent episode as of recording this, I think we're starting to get a much clearer vision of the big picture. Like, what is the real reason for the show, if you will? Which actually I think is like five-fold, but we'll get to them. Because here's the thing. Well, one of my absolute favorite things about the show is that it stands completely on its own and feels very disconnected from the rest of the Star Wars universe. Minus a few bits of what I would call excellent fan service. I mean, who doesn't love to see Boba Fett or Ahsoka or Luke show up, right? And don't even be started about the stormtroopers missing their rats from point blank range with those blasters. I mean, classic. But at the end of the day, if the Mandalorian doesn't have any significance to the greater Star Wars story, then we might all start to wonder, like, what was the point of it? And I don't necessarily mean relevance to the Skywalker saga, although I do think some of that is in there. But I have to tell you, I think the significance of this show, and specifically Grogu's significance, is massive. Like, bigger than you think. Like, it is quite possible Grogu is the most important person in all of Star Wars. Like, the more I watch, the more it feels like Grogu is not just Star Wars present, but also maybe its past and quite possibly its future as well. That he's not just the Jedi and the Mandalorian, but also might be responsible for the rise of the First Order. Yeah, this is a cool one. Today, we reveal how Grogu is everything. But I think it goes without saying that Grogu is a perfect example of something we never knew we needed, but absolutely positively could not live without him. And look, I'm so cute. I love him so much. I mean, I've been so cautiously optimistic about the use of this character, but blown away how all of the cute stuff he does does not get old. <laughs> But like we said, beyond possibly being the cutest thing in the entire Star Wars galaxy, there's almost no doubt that Grogu is going to have tremendous significance to the greater Star Wars story. Possibly even the Gro-Glue that holds it all together, am I right? <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here for like 15 minutes. If you could laugh next time, that would help. Because if you think it's funny, they'll think it's funny. For real though, let's get into it. The plot of the first two seasons of The Mandalorian has largely been driven forward by Moth Gideon. Get back here. He doesn't make many appearances, but his behind-the-scenes puppeteering is what's causing most of the problems for Grogu and Din Djarin. Mainly what he wants to do, though, is kidnap Grogu as part of some larger plan that thus far we don't know much about, other than that they took his blood. What we do know is that his efforts involve putting a large bounty on Grogu's head, which Din Djarin takes up in the first episode and succeeds with. But of course, as we all know, he immediately regrets this, uses his payment to create some armor, and then comes back and rescues little Grogu. 
But while he is swift, he is not in time to stop Dr. Pershing from taking a small amount of blood from Grogu. And what the remains of the Empire want with his blood at the time is pretty unclear. But as the show has gone on, we've been given a lot of hints, and they all seem to point to the same thing. that They want to bring back Palpatine. To which you might be saying, like, what? When have they mentioned that? And you're right, they certainly haven't come right out and said it, or even mentioned Palpatine's name as far as I can remember, but it is almost what everything is pointing to. Allow me to explain. The idea of cloning someone is certainly nothing new in Star Wars. I mean, they fought an entire war with clones. Ugh. Oh no! <gasps> you dropped your little ball. Don't drop that, hold on. Ooh. And we've seen how it works. You take one man's DNA, clone him a bazillion times, and then just age him up really fast. But there actually is a second type of cloning out there known as strand casting. Strand cast. And this works a little bit differently, although it does source inspiration from the Kaminoans, who are the ones who originally created the clone army. Namely, that instead of just cloning one person and aging them up really fast, you can combine the DNA from multiple sources and clone them directly into an adult. In fact, we get a very good explanation of how this works from Dr. Pershing, the guy who took Grogu's blood at the beginning of episode three, season three of The Mandalorian. So basically, even though he claims his motives are innocent, that he just wants to clone organs so that he can save people's lives like his mother's, and who knows, maybe it does, but it doesn't really matter because the Empire's intended use for his research is almost definitely more nefarious. In fact, we get a pretty good explanation from him about what he's trying to do with Grogu's blood back in season two. We've replicated the results of the subsequent trials, which also resulted in catastrophic failure. There were promising effects for an entire fortnight, but then sadly, the body rejected the blood. I highly doubt we'll find a donor with a higher M count though. Unfortunately, we have exhausted our initial supply of blood. The child is small and I was only able to harvest a limited amount without killing him. If these experiments are to continue as requested, we would again require access to the donor. And while he's saying that, what we the audience are seeing is a look at all of the failed experiments or should I say, strand casts. And you might think, well, hold on, he doesn't outright say these are strand casts, can we prove that that's what they are? And yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he describes at the beginning of season three for one, but also this isn't the first time we've seen what failed strand casts look like. It requires us to fast forward a little in the Star Wars timeline, but you can see them in Rise of Skywalker right here when we go to Exegol and you see all the failed versions of Supreme Leader Snoke. To which if you're now wondering, wait, Snoke was a strand cast? <laughs> yeah. He is, which also then explains why such an old looking, super powerful being wasn't present for anything prior to The Force Awakens. Which is something that always bothered me, like if he's so powerful and he's been around for so long, then like, where was he during the Clone Wars and stuff? But the answer is, he wasn't there yet because he hadn't been made yet. Now, in true supervillain fashion, apparently attempts to clone or strand cast Palpatine were in effect long before the beginning of A New Hope. All of which is just part of Palpatine larger contingency plan in the event that he ever happened to lose his mortal body, then he'd have a new vessel for his like surviving soul to go into. And yet they were not successful. So we have to ask ourselves, what X factor showed up that suddenly made it possible for Snoke to become a successful strand cast? Hmm. Not that I think it's your fault or not. I know you didn't do anything wrong. But if you're not sold on this idea yet, hold on to your butts because I have one more bomb to drop on you and this one kind of blew my mind. But if we go back to that scene where Mando and friends are examining all the failed strand casts while Dr. Pershing is talking, they start to play this ominous, eerie, almost familiar music underneath the scene. 
And you could totally be forgiven for not knowing what it was because one, I don't think almost anybody noticed it. And two, they're playing some extra Mandalorian music on top of it. But do you know what theme that is? Man, Snoke really got the short end of the stick here. I mean, can you imagine commissioning someone to write you some theme music and they just come back with, Duh! I mean, I guess Snoke liked it. It was John Williams, so more than I can say. Anyway, as I'm sure you're aware, YouTube is like super finicky about music and copyright stuff. So that's all I'm gonna play from that theme. But I would super encourage you to like do some homework on this one. Like go listen to that theme and watch this scene. I'll link to the video down below so you can do that. But it is, I, I guarantee you, that is Snoke's theme right there. And why else would you play that there? All right, guys, now we need to take a brief pause today about today's sponsor, Honey, the easy way to save money when you're shopping on your iPhone or computer. Who doesn't love a deal or a discount? Nobody. That's who. Especially when I find a deal online, like with a promo code or something, it is like you found money. It's like you hacked the system. And that is why Honey is so great because it is basically a secret code machine. Every time you get to the checkout page and it's like, do you have a promo code right here? It'll just pop up, scour the entire internet for all the available codes, test them all, and then just apply the best one. Seriously, it is that easy. It's a free extension. You can add it to your Chrome browser. And when you're shopping, you'll get to the checkout page and it'll just like pop up for you and say, would you like Honey to search for coupons? You'll click yes. and then it and then you'll save money. You don't even have to remember to use it because it just pops up and then boom, you've saved money. And did I mention it's free? And I use it like all the time. Like the other day I was shopping for clothes online with the twins and I wasn't even expecting it, but then I went to check out and boom, 20% off. Which if you have kids, you know, could be a big deal because it can be very frustrating to buy all these adorable little clothes and then you put your kids in them and then they grow right out of them and you got you got to buy more. And like, yes, we have hand-me-downs for the twins from their older brother, but there's only one of him and two of them. So like, it's okay, they'll only have half the amount we need. And Honey doesn't just work on desktop. So all you have to do is add it to Safari on your iPhone and boom, good to go. Seriously, if you don't have Honey, you're just straight up missing out on savings for no reason at all. So you should definitely go ahead and download it. You're not only doing yourself a solid, but you're helping support this channel. Get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash supercarlin. One more time, that's joinhoney.com slash supercarlin. Add it to your browser. It's free. You save money. Link is in the description down below. Description. That's the description. I think you know what I meant. Interestingly, though, do you know who else was strand casted with Palpatine's DNA? Ray's father. Which is great for a couple of reasons. First, it means that Palpatine never actually procreated with another living being, which like, thank the maker. Do it. And two, if Grogu was actually part of Ray's dad's strand castiness, then it means that Grogu is a part of Ray. How did Pershing put it? The, the best parts of two people? Replicas that incorporated the best genetic attributes of both donors. Oh, gosh, if only there was like a signature move that Grogu and Palpatine each had that we could like look for in Rey, like, I don't know, maybe the Emperor's lightning blast or Grogu's healing ability or something. Oh, wait. Actually, fun fact, the first time Grogu healed someone on screen and then Rey healed someone on screen, like out here in the real world, like when that came out on Disney Plus versus came out in theaters, those were only three days apart. Coincidence? 
I don't think so either. And now before we continue, I do want to take 10 seconds to address some deep lore here because I can already hear some people's keyboards just clacking away in the comments. According to the Star Wars novel, Shadows of the Sith, Rey's father, Dathan, because yes, I guess we do know his name. I like to think it's short for Jonathan, is a 33-year-old in 21 ABY, meaning that he would have been born in 12 BBY, thus apparently disproving Grogu's involvement in strandcasting Palpatine because it means he would have been born before the Empire had access to Grogu's blood here. But honestly, I think that's bad or at least unreliable math because all the strand casts we see are of full-grown adults. Pershing even says they looked great for two weeks before things went south. There were promising effects for an entire fortnight, but then Sadly, the body rejected the blood. Meaning that only two weeks after being strand cast, they already looked like adults, right? So it makes more sense to me that Ray's dad was strand cast as a 33 year old, not that he was alive for 33 years. Does that make sense? That's a serious question. I mean, we're talking about brand new cloning technology here. If you strand cast a 33 year old, does that make you a one year old or a 33 year old or a one year old, 33 year old? God, this is, this is confusing. I was born yesterday. But look, confusing clone math aside, here's what it comes down to. The Mandalorian is taking place during when the First Order would be being formed. And in the Mandalorian, we know that the Empire is trying to make a strand cast of Grogu. And there's only two important strand casts that we know of. One of them is Snoke and the the other one is Rey's father, who of course goes on to have Rey, who then shares an incredibly unique ability with Grogu. It's just math and not the confusing clone kind. And what's cool here is that it makes Grogu really important to the greater Star Wars story by way of blood, but also leaves room for him to be really important in his own right. For example, another thing we know from the Mandalorian is that long ago, there was someone known as Mandalore the Great. And according to the armorer, he waged war against the Jedi. And according to the plaque next to the living waters down under Mandalore, he also tamed and rode a mythosaur. Now, not for nothing, but if you ask me, there's an awful lot of vagueness around the name Mandalore the Great and who this ancient Mandalorian actually was. But at the same time, there's really only one other ancient Mandalorian who seems to be of any significance at all, especially as it relates to this story, and that is Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian to ever join the Jedi Order, and the one who created the Darksaber, who then, just like Mandalore the Great, went on to rule Mandalore. Which is weird though, right? Because it doesn't seem very Jedi to allow one of their members to just go rule an entire planet, does it? Then you also have to consider that Mandalorian armor and all of their different weaponry is specifically designed to help fight the Jedi. Beskar is even like one of the only metals that can withstand a lightsaber. So my theory is that Tar Vizsla was just also Mandalore the Great, and he used all of his knowledge of how the Jedi worked and what kind of powers they had to help craft Mandalorian armor and then led a war against them. Which also seems in keeping with his family based on the few other Vizslas we know of. First we have Pan Vizsla, that's this guy who keeps challenging Din over everything. And then there's Pre Vizsla, who is a character from Clone Wars and is the leader of a Mandalorian terrorist group called Death Watch. So overall, 
overall, I would say the Vizlas seem like conflict-driven people. Lest we also forget that the name of the Darksaber is the Dark Saber, so it doesn't really sound like the weapon of a good guy, does it? So if I had to guess, Tar Vizsla became a Jedi, then left the Jedi Order, became the ruler of Mandalore, and led a fight against the Jedi. Which brings us back to Grogu, another Jedi turned Mandalorian foundling, turned back to Jedi, turned back to Mandalorian foundling, and almost definitely the eventual wielder of the Darksaber. Can't you just see him with a little lightsaber? But how perfect would that be? Where a millennia ago, Tar Vizsla started a conflict between these two groups, and now in the present, Grogu will be the one to put an end to it. Thus far, he's already trained at the Jedi Temple and with Ahsoka and with Luke, who actually offered him a choice between Jedi or Mandalorian. And Grogu, of course, chose Mandalorian. But at the end of the day, I don't think the answer is going to be choosing between the two. It's going to be creating harmony between the two. And Grogu is going to personally be the symbol of that harmony. Of course, where that leaves him and Din Djarin during the times of the First Order and like the sequel trilogy, I suppose that's still unknown. But really it doesn't matter because at the moment, Grogu's just a wee child of 50 years old. And we know thanks to other members of his species like Yoda, that they can live to be over 900. Thus, Grogu is poised to usher in a new millennia of peace between the Jedi and Mandalorian. You could easily fast forward the story like 500 years and have Grogu be the central character and he would still just be middle aged. I mean, think how formidable he is now as almost a baby. How crazy is he going to be as a fully trained Mandalorian slash Jedi who's like in his prime? But that is why Grogu is the most important person in the Star Wars galaxy. Like you needed anyone to tell us that though, did we? I don't think so. I don't think so. Guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Star Wars action from us. If you wanna see what each different lightsaber color means, you can check out this video right here. But otherwise, until next time, then I will see you in another Life Brother.